0: Thank you, ladies. The Alfred sisters are very talented, and the parents must be very proud. Well, speaking of living in the past, in 1977, (laughs) there was a movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Did anybody see it? Has anybody ever seen it? Just a few of the old people. Except for that young guy. You're not young. I mean, you're not old. You saw it. It's on TV, folks. You can rent it. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 1977, directed by Steven Spielberg and starred Richard Dreyfuss. Richard Dreyfuss was the main character. His character's name was Roy Neary. And Roy Neary was an electrical... Linesman, in Indiana. Well, there was a large power outage, and Roy was out in his truck restoring power to homes. And he was at a train crossing, as I recall. And all at once there was this huge light above him, and his truck was engulfed and shaken by this powerful, blinding light from above. And he soon discovered over the next few days that it was a spaceship, a UFO. Now, obviously, this is science fiction, fantasy, and not saying there's UFOs. If there are, that's fine with me, as long as they leave me alone. After Roy recovered from this encounter, he soon realized that he has been changed, He has become fixated and obsessed with UFOs, much to the dismay of his wife. So he begins seeing this mountain-shaped object everywhere. He's shaving one morning, and he takes the shaving cream in his hand and he starts making it into this shape. He doesn't know why, but he's making it into this shape. And then at the dinner table they're having mashed potatoes and he takes mashed potatoes and he starts forming it into a shape and his wife and kids are like, what are you doing? And then he starts dumping all of this dirt through the window of the house and he makes this huge mound in his living room of the shape. Well, of course, his wife thinks he's gone mad and she takes the kids and she leaves And then he's watching TV and he sees this shape and he's able to give it a name. It is Devil's Tower National Monument in Wyoming. And he sees that something's happening there. Strange things are happening there and he realizes that's the shape that he's been seeing. That's the mountain he's been seeing. He didn't know what it was. And now he's obsessed, getting from Indiana to Wyoming to see this Devil's Tower National Monument. And eventually, He gets there, and he arrives just at the time where there's all of these little UFO planes hovering around, and then here comes this big mothership playing the Close Encounters theme. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. The mothership opens its doors and out comes all of these humans that have been taken by these aliens at different times over the past hundred years. And then they take in a few more people and Roy is one of them. And that's the way the movie ends with Roy going up in the spaceship and going away. Kind of an, an odd, bizarre ending. Now I know what you're saying. Preacher, that sounds really good. I'm going to go down to Blockbuster, and I'm going to rent it tonight on VHS. But what I want to focus on is how this close encounter changed him. Before the encounter, he was an average working man, a family man, but he gives all of that up after... This close encounter. He doesn't know why. It's an unexplainable reason to him. He is compelled to pursue this mountain. He loses everything in the process. He loses his family. He loses his job. He loses his reputation. But after this encounter, he thinks that this pursuit is worth all that he has. And that can happen after you have some sort of encounter now some some encounters are planned you call some friends and you say meet me at the olive garden at 7:30 we'll have dinner together that's a planned encounter you go to work every day. You're out of the house at the same time every day. You get in the car. You know how the traffic's going to be. You go to your desk at a certain time. You sit down at your desk. You say hello to your coworkers. That's an encounter, but it's a planned encounter. You're not upset by it. But some encounters are not planned. Some encounters are not asked for. Some encounters are even unwelcome. Just last week, there was an encounter where 70 vehicles in Virginia, I don't know if any of you saw this, 70 vehicles in an icy, snowy thing, 70 vehicles had an encounter, and they all ran into each other on this highway, and they shut down the highway going both ways, and over 50 people were injured. That was a close encounter of another kind that none of those people wanted. They all just wanted to get home, or they wanted to get to the store. That encounter happened, but it was unplanned for. So some encounters we want, some encounters we don't want, some are planned, some are welcomed, some come suddenly. <clears throat> some come unex- unexpected. There are many encounters in the Bible, if you think about it. Adam encounters God. God comes walking in the garden to encounter Adam, Jacob, encounters God in the desert and has a wrestling match with him, and his life is forever changed after that encounter. He limped after that encounter. He had a different name after that encounter. His name was then called Israel. David had a strange encounter. David encounters King Saul in the back of a cave when King Saul goes in to go potty. That's an unusual encounter. Jesus encounters Satan in the desert after 40 days of fasting. Jesus encounters a woman at a well while she's pursuing water. Nicodemus comes and encounters Jesus in the evening. Saul encounters the risen Christ on the Damascus road and is blinded for a while by his encounter. Encounters are sometimes rich, powerful, and life-changing these biblical encounters, the ones I mentioned to you, the people were never the same again after their encounter. Well, we are nearing the end of the year, and not only the end of the year, we're ending the end of a decade, strangely enough. So I have a few questions to put out there to you for you to think about. What kind of close encounters have you had this year? What person or situation have you had that confronted you in such a way that it changed you? It changed your thinking. It changed your way of perceiving the value of something. Perhaps you were pursuing something and then you found out it wasn't what you thought it was. It was empty of value. It was... Meaningless, and so you've realized you've wasted your time, whether it's changing your major in school or you pursued a job or you lost a loved one or whatever it might be. How have you encountered your use of time and money and realized you were wasting your time or making good use of your time or your money? You threw your money away, as they say. How... Have your encounters that you have had this year, both good and bad, grown you as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl? How have the encounters that you've had grown you? You answer the phone. It's the hospital with bad news, bad news for you about yourself, maybe a uh, lab result, bad news about a loved one who was in an accident. You encounter the financial department of your bank telling you that you have checks or debits bouncing all over the place, and that money you thought you have, you don't have, or your identity was stolen by some naughty person. Maybe it was a good thing, like you encountered a graduation ceremony. You graduated after years of going to school, or someone you know and love graduated, and you got to stand by them while they wore that silly robe and that thing whatever that thing is. But you got to stand, yes, you made it. You encountered that together. Another chapter is over. Perhaps you encountered, as my son did and Miss Holly, you encountered a new spouse this year. You found someone to share your life with after you've been looking. Perhaps you encountered a new baby in your own life or a new grandbaby in your own life to add joy to the home. You encountered unwillingly perhaps a funeral director who who is willing to help you lay a loved one to rest. Some encounters are good, some are bad, some are indifferent. Life is full of encounters. Life is a series of encounters between you and someone or a bunch of someones. Someone said, and I don't know who it is because I'm too lazy to look it up, someone said, no man is an island. It's in a poem, isn't it, or a book? I hear mumbling. It's a song. Are you thinking of I am a rock, I am an island? No, no, no. That's Paul, Simon, and Garfunkel. Some famous person, besides me, said, no man is an island. I think it's a poem. Somebody look that up and get back to me. A hundred dollars to the first person who gives that to me today. Now I want somebody to paying attention. I have to bribe you guys with money. It's a poem. I know it is. It's a song. Well, Paul Simon said, I am a rock, I am an island, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. That I know. I told you, I live in the past. So here's my hope for you. Hopefully, you and I had some close encounters of the godly kind this year. They're not always easy to find. They can be rare, but they can be very special, very sacred when they happen. Now here's something I discovered when I joined the church, when I was 27. There was this implied expectation, at least I felt it, that we are all just encountering God left and right. You're asking God about a job. He gives you an answer. You're asking job or God about a, a girl or a guy. God gives you an answer. You're asking God about this and that. you got answers. You and God are just talking every day. You're hearing his voice plain as day. There's this, I had this thing that we are regularly just hearing God's voice speaking. We are regularly seeing a handwriting on the wall telling you what to do. Me mine, mine, tarkel and parson. You're just, God is just telling you what to do. It's anytime you ask, there's an answer. You put your hand on a scripture, there's a scripture you want. Your life is full of faith and confidence and determination. It's beautiful. This was the assumption I had, the way some people implied that it was happening for them. Very lofty, very beautiful. Now, I love God and I want to serve him. I've been serving him for 36 years, professionally for 31 or 2. But if I think of the close encounters that I've had with God, at least the way that I'm defining him in my, in my own mind, when I think of the close encounters that I've had with God, the life-changing ones, the sacred moments where God just speaks to your heart where the scales fall off your eyes kind, the hear God speaking to your heart kind, it's probably about five or ten times in my entire life where I've actually felt and knew that right then, and it might only last a second, that God was speaking to me where I had like this little close encounter. Now this doesn't mean that the rest of my life is empty and devoid of some wasteland. But I mean, how many Damascus Road experiences could you have? How many did Paul have? One. How many times can you climb to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration and see Jesus standing there, bright as the sun? One. How many times did Elijah... Call down, fire from heaven, one. And then how many times did Elijah hide in a cave? When he came out, God said, Elijah, where are you? One. Some of what we think everybody's having, some of the greatest names, the whole of faith, they had it one time. So I want to encourage you and remind you that for you to feel like you had an encounter with God doesn't mean it has to be a big thing sometimes it's an internal contemplative encounter i like the quiet contemplative encounters with god that's what speaks to me i've never been one uh, if you go to a prayer conference i've been to some of these where everybody kneels down and everybody's praying not out loud all at the same time but you sort of like you would pray and then. When you're done you would pray and but it's one big prayer and people are essentially yelling to be heard. That's not my style. Maybe God speaks that way, but then I'm always worried about if I'm gonna start speaking and that person over there starting speaking and how long do I talk and am I too loud? That's not what speaks to my heart. It's more of the quieter moments, it's more of the alone moments that speak to me. That's me. So sometimes the Holy Spirit just nudges you, and He encounters you with a question. It's a question from God for you to focus on. It becomes part of the sacred encounter between you and God. He sort of nudges you. It could be in church. It could be sitting at home. You could be driving your car. You could be sitting on the potty, for all I know. But you just have this insight. God just says something to you, you're doing good, affirmation, what are you doing with your life? Who are you? What, why are you doing that? You know, it's generally, to me, it's a question, or affirmation, or a thought, or a scripture, or a thought about someone else, and I want to pay attention to those. So sometimes God gives you a question, it's part of that sacred encounter, a sacred romance. It's the name of a book that I read. I always liked that idea. This relationship between you and God. It's a sacred romance. It gives you direction. It gives you reflection. God calling out to Adam. Adam, where are you? To Elijah. What are you doing here? And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? That's an encounter. Peter has to reflect on his own heart. He goes, well, of course Jesus, you know that I love you. That's what I want you to think about. Now, I have some cards. Do I have some deacons? Yes! I have one trusty deacon. I have two trust. I have three. I have four trusty deacons. Thank you. Here's what I want you to do. And usually I warn you that something's coming, so forgive me for not... This is very introverted, so don't worry, my introverts... I've set this up for you personally, including myself. I was going to do the turn to your neighbor thing, and I like the turn to your neighbor thing, but not today. So you got nine different cards that my friend Fern made for me. I found the questions. I thought they were good. Go ahead, hand these out, please. As I'm talking, I'll keep talking. One to everybody. I think I have about 150. If we don't have enough, share with your neighbor. They're different. There's nine different questions. And you might not get the same question as the one beside the person beside you. You can do yours, and then you can ask for theirs and do theirs. I was thinking about handing out pens so you could write down an answer, and then I thought, too many pens. So I just want you, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to literally sit in silence and think about this question and ask God to speak to you. Now, if he doesn't speak to you now and today, then maybe you'll read it later, or maybe this isn't your time. But I want you to think about as we head into a new year. Every one of the cards that you're getting, I needed my deacons needed to eat a little more breakfast today there. Moving a little bit slow. Every one of these cards has at the top the same phrase, and then the question's different. At the top it says. The beginning of a new year is an ideal time to stop, look up, and listen. Please contemplate the answer to your question prayerfully in the presence of God. I like that phrase. So what I'm hoping is that as you ask God to speak to you, maybe it's planting a seed and you'll get an answer or an affirmation or a correction or a thought or a revelation later. Maybe you'll sense something right now. I'm not wheeling and dealing in magic. I'm just giving you a chance to encounter God through the Holy Spirit. My question says, what single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in ten years? That's a very interesting question. I have to think about that. Does everybody have a card? This is where you nod or hold it up if you have a question. Look at that. And that's free of charge today, ladies and gentlemen, free of charge to you. So what I want, somebody says amen, amen, all right. All right, I like free stuff. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to be quiet. It's my other New Year's gift to you. I'm actually going to be quiet for a couple of moments, and I would like you to sit there a couple minutes, and I would like you to sit there, read your question, and think about it, and ask God to encounter you And if you get done and you're interested in what the card the next person has next to you, then take their card and see what they've got. Literally gonna give you a couple minutes here in silence and I'll stand up and we'll wrap this up. So take a couple moments to prayerfully answer your question. All right. As I said, there are nine questions. If you enjoyed your question, you could go around and take other people's questions so that by the time you leave here today, you got nine questions that you could share with your neighbors. When I read this one, what single thing that you plan to, that you plan to do this year will matter most in 10 years and then in eternity, the phrase that came to me is rededicate your heart. And I realize that I don't know what all the questions are, but probably the answer to almost all of those for me would be to rededicate my heart. I know that's a generic phrase. That's a cliche phrase, but I don't care. That's the phrase that came to me because that's the answer to me, for me, to be a good pastor, to be a healthy human, to be a kind human, to care about my fellow people, to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good father-in-law, to be a good dog owner, is to rededicate my life to God, to put myself in alignment with him, and then all the other things shall be added unto me. That's the answer that I got. So I want to share with you Scripture because I realized I wasn't reading Scripture in church, and you know how I feel about reading Scripture in church. So is it all right if I read my Bible in church? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 11 and 12. You can just listen today. It says, if I can read, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish things, childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then... Face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So, what I want you to see is that there's a progression. If you are the same believer in Christ today, the exact same person that you were last year, you have not submitted yourself to the Lord this year. He should be working on your character, more patient, more loving more generous, more obedient, more aware of your surroundings, fighting for those around you who are less fortunate than you, fighting for those who don't have, giving more of what you have, listening to others, being more patient with your children or your grandchildren or your neighbors, less hateful, more loving. If God is leading you towards love, then you are probably headed towards God. If if your religion or your thoughts lead you towards hate, I'm telling you that's not from God. God is not a God of hate. God is a God of love. So I have ideas. I have goals for our church in 2020. I realize I'm the the leader. I'm supposed to lay out this plan with maybe some bullet points. You go, isn't that wonderful? But I can tell you that every single one of those ideas that I have, every single one of those hopes that I have, every single one of those dreams and goals and plans begins with me rededicating my heart. And not only me rededicating my heart, but you rededicating your heart to God. You and I encountering God and being changed. I cannot do it alone. If you read in Ephesians 4, it says that the job of the pastor is to equip the saints to do good work. My calling is to equip you to do good works. And that means you first have to encounter God. And if I can encourage you in that, then that's part of my calling. But I first better be encountering God myself. I am counting on God to fill this church with spirit-filled people who want to be here who want to serve Him here through the Savannah First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We don't need any more pew sitters. We don't need any more seat warmers. We need active people who have the knees on their pants worn out from kneeling and praying and the soles of their shoes worn out from going around and doing God's work. So I want this year to be encounter. I want when you go home from church not just today but any day if somebody says to you how was church I want you to be able to say it was encounterful I encountered the risen Savior today and I am so glad that I went because now I'm recharged to serve in the other six and a half days of the week Christ shows himself and reveals himself through our encounters and so The goal for 2020 should be to have more space for God. If you're doing something and it's keeping you from God and from healthy, important things and the important people in your life, then you're too busy. Or you've got the wrong priorities. The beautiful thing that God gave us all is he gave each one of us 24 hours. The rich person has 24 hours. They can't buy any more. The poorest person in the world has 24 hours and they can't beg for any more. That's why God created the Sabbath in time. It's a place where it is free to enter that. It's based on time. It's not based on your wallet or a building. God builds character in time. And he gave us 24 hours to serve him. And so you have the same 24 hours I do. So write down what's important to you and then write down what you're spending your 24 hours on, and if you don't see those connected, then you're doing something wrong. It's not a matter of thinking more religious thoughts or coming to church more. Let's not limit limit Christ to the church building. Let's open our hearts and our lives to the Spirit to speak through the ordinary, to speak through the daily because it's when God speaks to you through the daily moments of your life that those moments become sacred moments. And that's when you encounter God. So I'm not saying you're just going to encounter God here. You'll encounter God in the car, in the traffic jam. You'll encounter God at work. You'll encounter God when you're mowing the lawn. You'll encounter God whatever you're doing because your moments are His moments. And as you give yourself to Him, He can speak to you through those moments when you say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. You'll speak King James like that. It's got to be. When you want to encounter God, you have to speak King James. And I laugheth, because I fooleth, and I'm jokingeth with you. Is this side awake? Are you guys awake at all today? All right. i right, You guys write down what you had for breakfast, because I'm wondering if somebody had like just three donuts, and that was it. All right. I'll, I'll get back to you guys. I do have some predictions for 2020. I know you don't know that the gift of prophecy is one of my gifts, but I have some predictions. I have ten predictions for 2020. One, the Bible will still have all the answers. Two, prayer will still work. Three, the Holy Spirit will still move. Can this side say amen? All right, I take back what I said about the donuts. Four, God will still inhabit the praises of his people. Five, there will still be God-anointed preaching. I hope so. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Six, there will still be singing of praise to God. (coughs) Still be choking on water. Seven, God will still pour out blessings upon his people. I hope so on that one. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Eight, there will still be room at the cross. Come on, preacher, come on. Nine, Jesus will still love you. And ten, Jesus will still save the lost. And do you realize these are exact same things that I say? Help me, tongue. These are the exact same ten things that I shared with you last year. Only I changed the year. You see how I'm good, I'm good at that. Because I really have no message for you, the pastor's challenge to rework the New Year's sermon is as challenging as the Thanksgiving sermon, as challenging as the Christmas sermon. You've heard it all. So a new year is coming up, and this new year might be different or it might be the same depending on you, depending on what you want to do with your life, depending on the kind of person you want to be, depending on the priorities, depending on how you let God encounter you, if you open up your heart to Him. So that's my prayer for you, that you would rededicate, reencounter God, and that He would bless us, as Psalm 150 said. Praise the Lord. Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Now that's what I want to see. A tambourine and a dance going on. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know it's New Year's Eve this week, so I pray you're all going to be safe and in bed by 10 o'clock, just like me. May your glass be full of root beer or Martinelli's or something. Enjoy the new year as it comes upon us. May 2020 be the best year of your life. And I'll leave you with the blessing that God told Aaron to share with the people.